Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of these unceded lands and airwaves where this conversation takes place. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Scott Lord at Moon House. Scott was born in Dunedin in Aotearoa, New Zealand and knew from a young age that he wanted to pursue hospitality as a career. After a few years of working under various chefs, he joined the multi-award winning restaurant Pier 24 as chef de party, working alongside Michael Coughlin at the Sinclair Eatery. When Scott and his wife moved to Melbourne in 2015, he secured the role of chef de party at Cumulus Inc. before joining Commune Group's modern Japanese restaurant Tokyo Tina as head chef for two years. He then joined the Sunda dining family as sous chef before returning to the Commune Group to take on the head chef role at New Quarter, changing its offering to focus on neo-Vietnamese and bringing in his modern interpretation of some favourite Vietnamese hits such as Ban Mi Finger, Beef Tartare and Duck Floss Noodles. Last year, Scott jumped to Balaclava to help launch Moon House, bringing Chinese cuisine to a bistro setting. And his commitment to the restaurant group saw him quickly promoted to executive chef of New Quarter and Moon House. I met Scott at Moon House on a Monday when the restaurant is closed, but he lit the fire upstairs and we sat in the beautiful Art Deco curve of the building on a table positioned under a beautiful chandelier. Scott is calm and articulate, and it's easy to see why he's risen through the ranks of a top Melbourne hospo group so quickly. He cares about his team, loves the food, and is super aware of the diner's experience. Moon House should definitely be on your list of places to go. Good, thank you. Yeah, how come from you? Oh. Hello, Keith. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Christchurch. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I spent a little bit of time in Otago when I um, briefly taught it uni in the French department just for a tour, but um Thanks for coming in on your day off. Uh, Do you have uh, day off? Do you come in anyway? No, um, Monday's my admin day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I um, yeah, usually just get my week aligned that on a Monday and then figure out what I'm doing for the week and yeah. reassess and then, yeah, it's basically my Mondays. Yeah, so how does it feel being executive chef? That's a... How's it feel? Uh, it feels big yeah. to me. <laughs> I think it comes with, like, um, a lot of responsibility, so... Mm. Yeah, just been a lot of, like, I've obviously been in the head chef role a couple of times, like at Tokyo Tina and New Quarter. So I sort of know what's expected of me from a head chef perspective, but um, <clears throat> more or less like the the perspective of the owners and the um, the other executive chef, what's required of me, has been a bit of a transition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think with this role as well, it's more numbers and understanding how the business works as a whole. And um, you know what's required of me. Yeah. yeah. Do you still get on the pans? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love jumping into sections and yeah. 
I think it's nice when you have your head in like Excel for a whole day and then you, you go into the kitchen and then you sort of realise what it's all about again. You know, yeah. oh, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess putting um, something to the to the numbers, you know, bringing the numbers to life in a way, because numbers of you wouldn't have the numbers if you didn't have the food, exactly. <laughs> I suppose, and the guests. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah it's nice to connect the two, but at the same time, yeah, it's really nice to see the customers enjoying themselves and, and just that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how long has Moonhouse been open now? It's a while. Uh, it's been about a year. Yeah, gosh, a year already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy how it flies. I think we have first birthday. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy how fast time's flown. I think it's just those lockdowns after those lockdowns, you just, everything just feels fast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it was a big opening. I mean, do you think there was a lot of expectation um, on you or on the, on the group to produce... You know, I don't know, I felt, there was a, it was, felt like such a fanfare, maybe because I also, you know, I write for Broadsheet and so on as well, but I feel like I saw Moonhouse everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was everywhere. The marketing was pretty strong on it, and I think it's like such a beautiful building that it sort of, you know, deserves really good food. Yeah. And I think for us to like produce that and, and make it consistent mm. has been a bit of a challenge at the start, but now we've, you know, we've sort of changed the menu, uh, the way the, the menu was has completely changed, so it's more like bistro-y vibe now. So it's almost like Cantonese bistro. Um, everything's plate, plated like really linear, and like oh. the, the flavors are brought in from like um, you know different Chinese flavors um, okay. instead of you know Chinese at its core. Yeah. Yeah. And so not really banquet style as such, or it's still sharing menu. Yeah. 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 But there's um, yeah, it's more accessible. I think that's that's more about balaclava and sort of suiting the <laughs> suiting this environment as well. Is sort of. Yeah, we've taken on board what people want from us around this area, and, cool. and now now we're in a good spot. Yeah, because I saw on the wall <clears throat> Cantonese with um, balaclava <laughs> feel or vibe or whatever it was, and I was, I was going to ask you about that. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, because it's um, it is a grand building, and it's the street has got so much personality. When I first moved to Melbourne, I lived in Elwood, and so I spent a lot of time over um, over this part of this side of town. And now I'm north side, but um. Yeah, there is a quite a strong character, and the people do know what they want over here too. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so give me some give me some examples of some of that food then. Um, I'd say like a really good dish. My, one of my favourites on the menus at the moment is the chicken. So it's more based around um, kung pao like seasoning, and we basically make a oh, get a chicken in, we brine it overnight, and then we break it down in the morning. And then we, oh sorry, we hang it, and then we hang it for two days, mm. and then we cut it down into half portions, and then <clears throat> basically the bone, when we debone it, we keep just the drumstick in, so it's technically boneless, and then we just put it in a, a cold pan, and then render out the skin till it's nice and crispy, yeah. and then the, yeah, obviously the flavours all in the sauce, so the sauce is um, double chicken stock, and then the, the kumpau seasoning is split with it, and then just seasoned with a lot of kombu and and um, pepper wow. but yeah the, the Sichuan pepper comes through it as well so yeah. it's, it's a quite a clever um, chicken dish where it's just simple but it's tasty and at what point in your career did you start heading towards more Asian inspired food or you know like, I know there's Tokyo Tina yeah. And, um... yeah so I think it was I was at Cumulus yeah. and I was sort of I love the flavours at Cumulus it's very simple but really really good produce and they focus on that 
but I almost get bored of like there's no chili or there's no kombus or there's not enough like kick for me so that was just eating around as well like you know so many restaurants in Melbourne that you go to and you're like oh man that, that, that chili was that made that dish next level or this stuff that stuck in my brain for years and then later on you come back to it and you're like oh might make that I had eight years ago you know yeah, yeah. But I think it was probably the turning point was when I moved to Tokyo Tina and then I started dabbling in like ramens and how they season ramens and that kind of appealed to me that, you know, they got dashis and you got sesame pastes and it's just a whole different paint box of flavours that you play with. Mm. So from Tokyo Tina that was, I was hooked on Asian food mm. and then moving to Sunda with working with Khan was just like, just took it up another level, you know, his seasoning was just next level. And just his whole ideology of the whole dishes were amazing. Oh, his flavour repertoire, just, it must be, I don't know, if you could, you know, distill him to some kind of um, library, accessible, I don't even know. He's just incredible, isn't he? He is incredible, yeah. Yeah. Really good chef. Yeah. So how long were you at Sunda? A year and a half. Yeah. 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 And then he came back to the commune group. Yeah, so I went and re... At that point, I moved to New Quarter, and we, right. we went through a rebranding of um, going from Hanoi Hanoi New Quarter to just New Quarter. Mm. And that, that process was just stripping the whole menu, obviously dishing the whole menu and just refining it, making it a bit nicer. But also, you know, like Richmond's needs to be accessible. We need to be, it needs to be so many venues to so, so many different people. Mm. Like you've got people before footy that come in for a quick bite. You've got the, the general lunch trade, that come in for a quick bite during lunch. But then you got like the, you know, the boozy lunches that last four hours sort of situation. Yeah. And then you might have the the Sunday afternoon or whatever. So it, yeah, it needs to be so many things to different people. And yeah. I, that's what I like about Richmond. Yeah. yeah. So I read in your bio that um, you've always been interested in food. Uh, so, we, and we, what, how did that start in Dunedin? In, in Dunedin? I, say, I don't mean to say oh, right. like that in Dunedin. <laughs> I don't mean it like that at all because I reckon New Zealand's come a long way in food yeah. um, in the last 20 or so years. So, um, I, didn't, I don't know why it came out like that. <laughs> I think um, for me, it was, you know, it was a high school thing. There was, there was, there was a point in my career where I was tossing up between um, horticulture oh. and going to work, and I actually worked on some um, orchards in central Otago. Um, as a as a bird scarer, but at the same time, I got a I got an understanding of like how much hard work it was to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I was doing um, a gateway course at um, my high school, um, going into like university kitchens because you know Dunedin's a very heavy university um, city. Mm. I wouldn't call it a city township, but <laughs> it's at the same time it, it's um, you know a lot of people. You're, th- you're feeding thousands of people and just the vibe of like just people um, working together I think that was got me whereas like orchard works very lonely and yeah so I need that connection between people and that's what I really enjoy so mm. I think that's what got me hooked initially and then as I started working with food and understanding recipes and stuff like that it, it becomes an addiction so yeah and many many chefs say that too it's an addiction it, it really is and you come out of the kitchen for a bit and you sort of miss the feel of it yeah wow yeah so I think that's what got me hooked and then my my career really kicked off I guess when I started working for Michael Coughlin at Pier 24 and I know um, you know you've talked to Connor Pomeroy before from Carter Mine Room and he, he's on the same the wavelength as I like we sort of worked together there and then yeah moved over to Melbourne mm. yeah and 
And how was it when you, I mean, had you visited Melbourne before? Did you, were you aware of the, oh, you just came? Yeah, yeah. I think um, at that point my wife uh, got a, like, she's a nurse, so she got a, um, a role at the Alfred Hospital, mm. and um, I was like, look, we can either go to Christchurch, Dunedin, or Melbourne, and uh, we chose Melbourne, and we didn't know anyone here, so I think the first six months was very difficult for us, but after we got past that point, we became home, and then... Yeah, when Damon looked back, to be honest. Mm. It was 2015. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you've done a lot since then. That's only, that's eight years. That's amazing. It's mm. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With the big Melbourne groups, you know, I think, I feel like Melbourne is such a, um, a city that's known for its food and so on, and there are some big names there, and you're working for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I think, like, as you support yourself around really talented people, you'll do well. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you um, how do you continue to learn? Because it sounds like you are someone who is um, you know always keen to know more, and that you really love what you're doing. So, where, do you look at books? Do you look at what other people are doing? I think I'm a combination. Like yeah. um, I get inspired through past experiences, like dining out for dinner. I'll get inspired by a dish or a technique that gets me going, and then I'll I'll read some cookbooks on my days off. And yeah, I think it's more like just something will trigger a meal. Or even Instagram is a massive power for mm. all of us. Um, you know, it's a big trigger, but you've got to be careful how much you look at of that because, you know, you do start to find a trend. But I think it's just... Um, <laughs> or yeah. the trend finds you. And yeah, all the trend finds you. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess, too, now that you are <clears throat> high up and you're overseeing other people, you would have had this in your head chef role as well. What's, what is your leadership style? How do you... How do you manage the people who you're working with and and, um, and do you feel pressured in that role? Mm, I think sometimes. Like, I have a really, really strong head chefs around me, so it makes my job a lot easier. So, you know, like, down at um, New Quarter, we've got Lee. Um, he's amazing, like, really operationally strong. And then you've got Nabil um, at Firebird. And then um, Chris Can here. So, between the three of them, if um, their teams are fully loaded and... and you know, it's all about depth and hiring the right people, but also training those people to makes my job a lot easier. So as long as they're all fine, my job can I can focus on bigger things and you know really getting those one percenters what we can do yeah. and keep the business driving forward. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And do things like um, you know reviews and things? Do you pay any attention to those? Uh, yeah, obviously. I think reviews are quite important. Like, they are really important. As for a guest is paying coming here and they have an expectation. And if you're not meeting them, you will not survive in Melbourne. That's the short of it. So I think, like, the every Monday, this is my Monday, I'll probably look at reviews for last week. And I go through them and I find any consistencies. So if there's someone that says, the, you know, the dumplings here were a bit, yeah, a bit meh, then I'll be like, okay, that's, that's come up once. That, that might have been just a mistake on the chef's half or has it happened twice has it happened three times yeah it seems to be a common thing if it's happened three times something's wrong so yeah. they are very important for consistency and yeah keeping us on the toes really yeah some you know everyone's a critic these days aren't they so yeah. i guess it is important to look for the the consistent things that are the markers that are coming out rather mm. than it can be a subjective experience coming into a restaurant as well yeah um, yeah i'd say the <laughs> hardest thing for chefs though is reading a review that you you know, you've you've tried really hard for the week, and you thought you thought you know you thought you'd done an amazing job. Mm. And you read a review, and it might have you know some takes out of being like, oh man, like it's kind of defeating. Mm. 
but he's got to bounce back and just carry on. There's, there's, you know, he's got to think about the other 800 people that came that week and really enjoyed themselves. So, exactly right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And um, seasonally, I suppose you're using local, you're using local produce and so on for the for a Cantonese-inspired Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We sort of use our, you know, our main suppliers are all Melbourne-based. Yeah. Um, I'd say the only one that's not really Melbourne-based is Top Cut that um, gets from New South Wales. But, I mean, everything's Australian. Yeah. So, you know, um, obviously there's some Asian product, products that we have to import. But, um, you know, our core meats, all our fish, etc., is from, you know, Australia and Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. So we do put a focus, yeah. absolutely, but especially the way like the economy is going, you gotta, you sort of gotta go with it. Yeah, that's right. And do you, I mean, do you change the menu every so often, or are you tied into a few signature dishes? Do you? We you... have definitely got signatures around the group. <clears throat> you know, like um, the beef tarts here at, at New Quarter and the balmy finger here. You know, the wontons, for example. There's there's certain dishes that you will never take off because you know your customers will kick up a storm, but. You know, at the same time as, as we have three to four menu changes a year, um, and they can be quite substantial to just tweaks. It depends on what's happening with the menus and where they're at. Um, also, like the past three or four months, you know, we've had to change pretty quickly. So, you know, bringing our printing in-house is, has been a big, you know, thing for us. Oh, yeah. And just being able to like, quickly change those menus, you know. Yeah, I think there's something. It's something I just was, it reminded me of talking to chefs in hotels where they always have to keep things pretty much the same. They're saying how agile restaurant chefs have to be, and I guess as you're saying, especially in this current climate where um, <clears throat> things aren't always uh, accessible or the the price points not accessible, you probably do have to be quite flexible with what you're yeah, putting 100%. up. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's the yum char about? It's yum char at Moonhouse. It's uh. It's, it's very busy. <laughs> That's all I can say. But um, basically, there's two concepts at Moonhouse. There's the dinner menu. Uh, also has the, where we're sitting up now, is the, the bar cocktail area joint with the um, private dining space. Yeah. And on a weekend, if, the, if it isn't booked out for a private function, we'll actually open this up to um, tables of twos and threes or just people interested for a cocktail, but also seat some people in the, the main dining area for a la carte and also downstairs. So... Yeah, you have the a la carte menu that runs, um, you know, Monday to Friday and Saturday night and Sunday night. But then you also have your yum cha menu that just works on Saturday, Sunday lunches. And um, yeah, it's just 12 items. So you smash through 12 items. Um, and then as soon as you hit those 12 items and you want more, just order more. And that keeps coming, um, yeah, for as much as food as you want, really. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there a fireplace downstairs as well? No, um, no, 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 no fireplace downstairs. I reckon this is the place to be there. This is it? the spot, yeah. yeah. It's so beautiful, especially in this beautiful curved table under a chandelier. I love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. <laughs> so you've had a few different experiences and you've certainly worked your way up through the ranks. What would your advice be to a young person who was thinking about becoming a chef? Um, I think a lot of chefs, like, from my, from my like, knowledge now is... That when you're younger, just absorb information. Don't care about pay rates. If you really want to do really well, you've got to just put your head down and absorb. Be like a sponge and just absorb things around you. And if you start getting stale in a workplace, move, because you know you're gonna get you start resenting things around you and you'll resent people. But I think, yeah, as soon as you got as much knowledge as you possibly can out of that one workplace, keep moving, mm. because if you're not, yeah, you know, it's not not learning right. So. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Yeah.
Thank you. Thank you. If I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef, you can read the chat and you can become a subscriber, which of course you probably want, would want to do because then you know when the new stories are up. That's at www.conversationwithachef.com. I would absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats and you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts and then I know that you're there. But thanks for listening today and have a wonderful day.